Today on Make Some Noise, I'm joined by Anna Kellerman of Mama Creatives. I got Anna on because I found her work to be fascinating. She's not only got a master's in art therapy, but she's written a thesis about the benefits of working with clay and children with anxiety disorders, which I found fascinating. And on top of that, she works with mums who are connecting with their creativity. So I thought, what better person to explore art therapy with and to explore these connections between creativity and anxiety, but also to have a conversation about mums in this space too, mums who have creative outlets and whether or not that impacts their happiness levels. So enough blabbering on, meet Anna Kellerman. Creativity, self-expression, and feelings. Creativity, self-expression, and feelings. Make some noise, 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 make some noise. It's a podcast. Okay, let's hear it. So today I'm joined by Anna Kellerman and the reason that I wanted to get Anna on was uh, I put a shout out on my Facebook page for people who were in art therapy or working professionally within, in a, in a, I guess, therapist, psychologist, those kind of people who are dealing with mental health challenges from the other side of things. So the more, yeah, the more therapy kind of background and Anna came, was like tagged a stack of times, <laughs> not just once, many times, by people who I love and respect. And so it was just like, well, no brainer, got to get her on. I researched a little bit into Anna and I realized that she had done a thesis around kids and clay and anxiety, which really was something that just, I don't know, it was like, oh my God, yes, I would love to hear more about that. But on top of that, she also runs Mama Creatives. Which, if you wouldn't mind, Anna, would you want to explain a bit about the work that you're doing now in the world? Oh, what's that? It's my thesis. Oh, that's your thesis. Wow. Yeah. Nice. Um, my, my work in the world. Thank you for that beautiful introduction. <laughs> Pleasure. Wow. Amazing. It's amazing how, how, you, how you meet people online Isn't and it? how the wonderful recommendations of the network out there. So I, I'm really grateful for, for people who tagged me. And um, now I know all the stuff that you're doing, which is wonderful. I do a few things. I think as a creative person, we like to be multi-involved. There's some sort of creative compuls- compulsion to mm. do more than one thing. But my passion was always to do art therapy. When I was a child, my parents got divorced and there was a lot of tension in the house. And my thing was art. I always loved art, visual art, creating, using my hands, drawing, painting, constructing. And so I went into that world without knowing that there was a creative therapy um, world out there. I did it naturally. And so I knew the power of creation because I was a very anxious child. I'm not anymore as an adult. I've worked through that. So when I went to art school, I came across art therapy as a topic. It wasn't around in Australia at the time, but my lecturer was very advanced. She'd been overseas and she knew about this thing called art therapy that had started, had been born in England and America. 
and I was really obsessed with it and and I just loved it. So I studied it, I learned about it, I went to the conferences and when I was um, in my early 30s I moved to Melbourne and I studied a Masters of Art Therapy at La Trobe and I'm, I changed my life to study it. And the power of art therapy, having gone through it, having studied it, having worked with many children, I now am working on the other side of, of the power. And when I say power, I'm talking about the, the therapy and the therapeutic elements that come from working in a visual way or working in a creative way that is unconscious. And I don't think you can get there if you intellectualize too much with the talking. And this this is what I've spent my whole life experiencing and 15 years working with other people. And I, I guess I'm more very focused on working with children and then through the children I create shifts within the family dynamic, but it's through the children's perspective. Because some children, most children don't have the vocabulary or the development, the the language or even the capability to express themselves and what's happened to them and how they're feeling. I don't know many adults who could do that. The creative process can be very gentle. It can be non-confrontational. You can use metaphor. This is a wonderful way of working with children is that the use of art materials lends itself to this symbolic language and can be very powerful for children to externally express what's happening for them internally. And they have these sensations. And they have this opportunity to externalise these feelings in a very safe way. So the thing about being an art therapist is I'm like a psychologist or a psychiatrist or any therapist. It's about that relationship. People who come to me have to want to come back. They have to, we have to build on this relationship. It's like any key dynamic. You need to have a good relationship. So when they're happy and they're comfortable, they start to then use art materials as part of this sort of triangle in the relationships. You've got the therapist, the client, and then you've got the art materials, which is really like a projection. It's a projective technique that that I introduce to the children, and in time they can start choosing their own. But in the beginning there's a little bit of a process of what I will sh- share with them. And, and it's playful, but everything they're doing, there's an unconscious reason to it and I'm watching everything and I'm able to put that into a situation where I can understand and observe where they're at and where what's happening for them sometimes it can be just as a way for them to relax if they have a chaotic life and things are quite big in their life and they need some gentle space maybe the therapy is just about learning and modeling ways to regulate their emotions yeah so I just wrote down uh it feels like to me art therapy could be and correct me if I'm wrong or feel free to expand on this part of the reason that I wanted to start this podcast was because for me my own uh challenges with mental health issues like clinical depression anxiety have been uh the suppression of my emotions I didn't really know how to express my emotions and it didn't feel safe for me to do so. So I mm. kind of suppressed them and in that also suppressed my creativity. But it sounds like this, like the art therapy is a way to express your emotions through creativity. Is that, is that kind of what, is that kind of the work that you do in art therapy? I think that's part of it. Yes. I think um, a lot of People with anxiety, if we want to focus on anxiety, anxiety is something that a lot of people experience. If we don't externalize that, it manifests itself physically. Mm. And it and it can go and can play around in your mind and it can also um, 
appear in your body. You can have your hand. You you could um, have a lot of pressure in your hands. Your throat can get dry. You can have pains in your stomach, your heart. You have headaches. Um, children have enuresis en- 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 or encapresis where they wet themselves or they um, soil themselves. There's a whole lot of things. If this anxiety isn't managed, it will show itself physically. So, yes, externalization and um, unlocking the suppressed emotions are a part of any good therapy and to allow the client insight into what's going on. So you need to move gen- gently through it. Expressing themselves through creativity, the art materials, is something that's very age-appropriate for children. So, yes, it is a way to gently help them release their emotions and some of the feelings or behaviours that's happening to them. So I guess that's a good way of, of talking about it. But there are other things that are going on as well, but that's a, that's a big part of it. The other thing is that they're also, as a therapist, it's about helping them and to guide them into changing their behaviours or understanding themselves. And... It may not be about changing their behaviours. It may be shifting people around them. So it's like this is who I am except me. Maybe people around them need to relax a little bit. Maybe sometimes children come to me if parents are freaking out, but actually the children are just behaving like children and the parents are feeling a bit out of control. Yeah. And so they think the child's got something wrong with them. Everybody's unique and some kids are just more robust or rambunctious than others and that might not fit with that person's, that parent's, personality they might be more inward so it's about learning um about the personality that I have in front of me when the child comes to me and when I work with children it's very basic but generally I see children as internal or external in terms of their anxiety so kids who are internal they keep it all inside and they're not allowed to express themselves or they're scared to express themselves maybe there's domestic violence going on around them it's not safe and so they have to keep be a good be the good child and not disrupt anything. And so what happens if you keep it inside too much you blow up and you have a rage. Yeah. <laughs> and so they so the parents think oh, I've my I've, my child's got anger problems. But if you look back to what's happening, they're trying to be good 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 good. They can't control it, they explode. Yeah. And then the family's like oh my god what's wrong with our child? So it's about learning um to help them not keep everything inside. So mm. when I work with those children, I give them more freeing materials and they absolutely love clay and painting because that's more fluid and free and uncontrolled and messy. And that works really, really well with kids who feel controlled and really, really trying to keep it together. That's their personality. Then I have kids who I sort of put in the external anxiety. They're the ones without boundaries. They get really messy. They need to learn to fit in a little bit better with what's happening around them. So they um, they don't know boundaries. And you do need to have respect of others and you need to be able to work with other people. So I, they love it when I do structured, directed activities with them. And so I work differently with them. So they need structure and the others need freedom. And it, it shows itself in the work. And when I work with them and I understand who they are, they just absolutely respond well to what I'm doing. But there's always this unconscious um, thing at play And I'm also helping them understand who they are. And then I feed that back to the parents. And then I suggest strategic ways that they can bring the child back into the home and that the home and the family and the parents can implement some of these strategies. And let's see if there's a shift. And generally there is a shift because we're working with the the whole child. We're working in an authentic way and we're working with who this person is. Yeah, rather than against that. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. I don't know if that... So, so the creative aspect to, um, you know, expressing emotions through creativity, I guess that's a great way of, of um, 
explaining it. But I think I think the therapy that's a great way of explaining art and creativity, maybe. Mm. But there is still the therapy going on where I am watching everything and I'm guiding and I'm I'm taking notes and I'm observing ways that we can make a difference to this person's life, where they can form insight and where they there can be changes made. Whether it's accepting the child, whether the child's learning to respect boundaries and there's a whole lot of things that go on and also the parents gaining some confidence around their parenting so there's a there's more than just um expressing emotions through creativity it's about emotional regulation as well i mean having complete freedom through creativity is wonderful if you're creating a a product but it's also about the process and that needs to be managed so there is there is um control around it although it may not feel like it i let the children get messy and i think that's really important but there's a reason for that as well that I'm um, watching. I think there's a difference between art therapy and art as therapy. It's still a therapeutic experience. Yeah, I totally get that. So, so the art aspect is a for for me personally, art has always been uh, yeah like a way for me to channel and express all those emotions. That is a safe way. So it's not me. You know, the reason I laughed when you were talking about the rage. Um, you know, or like, you know, the internal version of anxiety, that's definitely me, right? Like, so I have all this stuff going on, I internalize it, and it comes out in bursts of like, anger and rage occasionally. And uh, that's obviously not really that um, socially acceptable. So for me, the the art has has become a way for me to channel those emotions that I feel and use them in a healthy expression. That's so, brilliant. Yeah, that's what I that's what I teach the children. I think it should be taught in primary school. Absolutely, I learnt it myself. I used to be an anxious child. I had separation anxiety with my parents' divorce. Um, I had all sorts of things. I, I don't have any anxiety now at all. If I feel myself have, um, I feel it in my heart. I get a bit of mm. um, my breathing. Um, gets a bit faster and I, as soon as I feel my breathing increase I'm like anxiety I manage it immediately within 30 seconds so I haven't had it for years because I'm really in tune with my body um, and that's another thing I do with children I, I ask them to to show me where it is in their body and they I've got this body outline thing exercise that I do with them and it's extreme some of them and when you show a parent that they can't not be horrified at how their children are suffering so the visual um, representation sometimes of the child's pain can be really powerful and, and that helps get the parent on side as well and to help them understand a little bit more because, you know, if they're a parent with more than one child, they're busy and they're doing all that. If they're a single parent, they've got a lot going on. It's very hard to be in tune with everything all the time. And so sometimes yeah. the therapy is about just taking a step back and saying, okay, this is what's going on. Maybe if you did a bit of this because your child's responding this way. So that's where the therapist. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, a lot of um – a lot of childhood uh, issues can come from our own unexpressed selves as adults, you know, watching our children doing things that we've been shamed for right. and then wanting to protect them, uh, you know, and, and going to one extreme or the other uh, to, yeah, to protect them from things that we've felt harmed by. So, yeah, so I guess like having that visual representation helps a parent go, okay, no, this this isn't about me. It's about the child and the pain that they're in. And then right. that can also cause healing for themselves as parents too, right? It can be very healing and it can be very triggering. So it's, again, need to manage that. So I'm very sensitive to what's going on. I've seen children from, I used to work a lot in domestic violence. I've worked with children who have um, on the autistic spectrum I've worked with children who are very depressed, um, who have 
um, who, who whose language isn't very developed, all sorts of children, and sometimes coming in and feeling like they're having fun and having someone just sit with them and be with them and acknowledge them and honour them is sometimes that's healing in itself to give them space to be themselves and to do what, just to bring them joy, just to be a kid. Some kids grow up and they don't really have a childhood and sometimes I offer them that experience. It depends on what, what's going on and how often I can see them. So I take each one. I, I, I listen to their history and their background, but I also take um, with the child who's presented to me and what's going on for them. The other thing that happens is if they feel comfortable and they're having a good time, then they have a chit-chat and then they start telling me the stuff. So there's, there's a few sessions where we're bonding and we're building rapport and they're, they're enjoying it. And then, and then they can't help but just say, oh, something happened at school today. And then I understand they're getting bullied and I understand what's going on. And then I can, we can work through that or something's happening in the neighborhood or mum or dad are saying something like this or they're, then they're able to share with me sometimes. And then we can work with that. And then if I get an insight into what's going on, um, I can then work with them on how we're going to improve that in their home life. Because it's all about, you don't want children to be, going to therapy forever. It's about coming in, finding some strategies, finding a way to connect with them, and then you've got to let them go home and get on with it without too much support, ongoing support. I mean, you can see someone for a long time, but I think you've got to also find a way that they can be on their own and live in the real world. So there's always that. There's a, that's a psychotherapeutic approach where you're working with what they're giving you but you're also layering that and reflecting back on what's happening in their real life. So when they work in metaphors, I can give you an example if you like. I worked with this boy. My thesis is about this boy I worked with for six months. Um, his parents were getting divorced and or his father had left to a new partner. <laughs> Excuse me. He had um, several di anxiety diagnoses. He had separation anxiety because his father had already left, so he was very enmeshed with his mother. He also almost became um, her sort of um, surrogate partner, which is not what you want for an 11-year-old boy. Um, he, he had OCD. He used to wash his hands a lot. He used to spend a lot of time on the toilet. Everything was perfect. Um, he had generalised anxiety disorder where he worried about what might happen in the future, even though it hadn't happened. So he came to me, very bright boy, um, and we worked over 30 sessions and um, just when the father's new partner was, a, she was pregnant and about to have a baby, which was going to knock him off the um, his line in his father's in his in his perception that he was the father's favourite. When the father had a baby, he wouldn't be the favourite, and he was getting very stressed and very anxious about this. And so he he sort of fell apart. But with his work, he started creating these little clay bricks. They're all perfectly lined up, and at first he created. There's something called a camo, camouflage hut, a camo hut. Um, so if you wanted to read into that, that could be he's feeling invisible, camouflaged. Then he made this thing called the factory. And um, it was a, quite a big structure and it had a massive chimney, but he had filled it in with clay. And a chimney needs to be open so the smoke can come in, but he'd block that off with a big piece of clay. And so you could say, that he was keeping all his feelings inside and the chimney might explode, which, which is what happened. He kept filling up the chimney, 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 um, and the whole structure fell apart. He used PVA glue and he used um, red and white paint and it looked like a crime scene. It was blood everywhere. And he actually said this is a crime scene. 
And when I was talking to him, I said, how's the factory feeling today? This is where the metaphor is. This is where you have to be very careful of the language that you use. If you ask someone who's having this sort of very um, sensitive state, quite fragile state, they're kind of falling apart with what's happening in their world and you can see they're in this trance. The work is already happening within this process. You don't want to interrupt them too much, Um, but you want to know what's going on. So I I generally use the language that they, they give me. So he called it a factory. And I said, how's the factory feeling today? And he said, the factory's grey and lonely and sad. So you can kind of imagine he's talking about himself without saying, is that how you're feeling? You've got to be very delicate. And so that's how I would communicate to him. And then the factory did fall apart because he put so much glue and paint. It was sort of flooding everywhere and he kept going and he kept pouring it and pouring it. He was in this trance. And then the factory did fall apart and then he kept just the chimney part of it and he made um, some string around it as if it was being airlifted to safety and then he put it on the shelf in my room and we kept it there and he came back the next week to check that it was there and he felt safe with me. And then we were able to talk about things. Now at the very end of this this whole 30 sessions, six months with this boy, um, we put everything out um, and I said, well, how are you feeling about this whole experience? What have you learnt? And he said, I've learnt that life has different perspectives. He said, I came in here with one perspective and he said, I learned, this is a 12-year-old boy. Oh, my God, I'm crying. <laughs> and, and he said, I learned my father isn't the father I thought he was. I thought he was a legend, but he's not the man I thought he was. He said, I'm okay with that. The other thing was um, through the clay, at first he was so precious and everything was perfect. And then as we got through, you know, further throughout the, the sessions and he trusted me, he created the clay and he let it dry and it got very hard. And he held it up one day and he, this piece of clay and he wanted to drop it to see what would happen. And I said, well, why don't you? And he said, I'm scared. And I said, just drop it and see what happens. And he dropped it and it went, it, it went into many pieces. And I said, how are you feeling? I said, you haven't died. You were, you're alive. You're okay. That wasn't so bad. And then I was able to then, the psychotherapy of it was this is what life is. There's all different perspectives and you can't control it. And what we have on the floor are lots of pieces of this clay, but that's life. There's lots of pieces to your life. You can't control your father. You can't control the baby. You can't even control what's going to happen tomorrow. But you're here, you're standing, you're okay, you haven't fallen apart. And this is life. There are different perspectives. And you can take whichever channel that you want. And it was such an amazing experience for him that he was able to let go, not fall apart, and notice that these different parts are life and that's how it is. And so at the very end of all this, that was one experience we had. It's incredible how we how he progressed at the very end he said you know life can be spooky that's what he said and he said I'm okay I understand there's all different perspectives there's not just one and and he was able to go to high school the following year and have no problems he 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 resolved his OCD he'd had no separation anxiety he didn't have the toileting problems and he was able to um have wonderful friendships and he he went through high school and did brilliantly because he was able to work through all those aspects that were troubling him and I was able to help him regulate his emotions and deal with all the big stuff, Mm. his parents. And he was able to separate and be his own person. But the clay really helped in that and um, me really being in tune with him and not pushing him too far, but also reflecting what's happening in the therapy, in the art, and then I was able to reflect how that's fitting into his life. But that takes skill. You can't do that in the first session. You have to get really great trust before you can start reflecting. And I don't always do that. I just knew the right times to do it for him. And then, we, you know, there, there came a time when we didn't need to talk in metaphors. I could just ask him straight, 
how's it going? Are you still washing your hands? But that took a long time of him yeah. to trust me. But it was the art materials that gave us that buffer. But it also gave me an insight to where he's at. So I'm able to, I'm just, I just have been doing it long enough. I'm able to know what's going on. But I never assume, I always ask. I always ask what's going on. Because I think sometimes you can get it wrong. Yes. Well, sometimes, you know, we are humans, even therapists and are human and we have our own projections and stuff happening within us. And That's right. It, you know, it, it happens all the time. I, I used to work with a woman who was a Freudian analyst and she just used to interrupt all the time and I'm like, that's not what's going on. And they interrupt and they want to know, they want to know. I said, art therapy is a bit different. You've got to let them have the process and not actually say anything until they're ready to tell you. You can't let them go without saying anything, but you're not why they're doing it. So the thing about art therapy is all about the process and that process can be very trance-like. And when you're actually making something in a therapeutic way, you're using so much um, energy with the brain and the cognition and the hands. There's so much going on that if you interrupt them, they don't have. You're going to stop that flow. So I I don't do that. I had a boy a couple of years ago, very bad domestic violence background, very bad, and um, and he he really got stuck into the clay straight away, which was amazing because he was had so much to he was holding so much in that he couldn't wait to externalize that. It got really messy, and he put it all over his hands and arms. And he started making this volcanic structure and he was um, referred to me because he apparently had anger problems at home. Uh, I think it was because he was holding it all in and then he'd explode and his mm. mother couldn't handle it. And what enough. a metaphor of volcano. I mean. But that's, but this is where, but that's where, yeah, that, that's what you assume. This is where I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, right. It, it wasn't that at all. So it's very easy to assume that the volcano is about explosions and, and eruptions and anger, but it wasn't. This, this volcano was actually, um, it was his, Safe. It was a safe place, and inside were secrets. That's where the secrets were. It was nothing to do with being wow. angry or exploding. And what happened was inside. So I never. I, I thought to myself, I wonder if this is about erupting the anger, but I I knew not to assume that. And I asked him, and he said, "There are all the secrets in there, safe inside this mountain, this volcano." And, and, and a similar thing. He kept. He, he had a session where he was falling apart, and he kept pouring water into it, similar to the other um, boy that I'd had. And he kept pouring, it was obviously overflowing, pouring it, pouring it, pouring it until it sort of fell apart. And then he took um, the inside of that volcano with the water and he put that into another container because they were the secrets. And then those secrets and the inside of that volcano then became magic water. And he said, this is the magic water because that was was his absolute inside. That's what he was um, carrying around with him, what he'd seen between his parents, the domestic, the violence. And he was holding on to that. And um, I knew that we were getting on really well because he invited me to put my hand in the magic water and touch it, which meant that he, he trusted me to um, be close to his secrets. And that's where you've got that. You've got to be very careful and be very sensitive as a therapist to know what's going on and not go too fast and to work with them that they can trust you. And then that's where the work can start. So this is where you've got to understand our materials. You need to understand relationships and you need to understand children to know how to talk to them and how, how to work with them. So um, understanding art materials is very important. It's not just um, presenting art materials, but they all can create a reaction different to when you're doing art as therapy. Art therapy can be quite triggering. If I brought out clay and water, which is messy, in the first session with a kid who has OCD, they'll freak out. If you bring out painting, which can get really messy in water and very uncontrolled, 
that can freak people out. You've got to be very careful when you bring those materials in. And if they don't want those materials, you've got to um, know when to bring out maybe some um, found objects or some construction or very safe pencils. You've got to know when to when you can jump to the next thing. And that's part of the progression of the relationship. Yeah, beautiful. That's, it's amazing how it can how how powerful it can be and how yeah. how relieving it can be for the children. Yes, and not just for children. Like while you were telling the story, you know, about the boys you've been working with, I recently and a catalyst for starting this podcast, I recently went back to singing after taking more than 20 years off because I was so afraid of getting things wrong. I was afraid of hitting the wrong note. I was afraid of standing up in front of people and them saying, she's a shit singer, you know, all that, all that kind of stuff was going on. And in fact, at one point I couldn't think of anything worse than going back to singing lessons because it was just like so scary to me, you know? You're focusing on the fears and all the negatives yes. instead of instead of instead of embracing the things that you remember that you love. That I love like. exactly. Yeah. And so when I went back to singing in the first session, we did this exercise where it was about allowing me to be an ugly singer, you know, just allowing the voice to come out, whatever it sounded like, growly, out of tune. And in that one simple exercise. Like it literally changed my life because I had gone from needing to get it right to just feeling such relief, as you said, relief that I could express myself and not be in my head while I was doing it, be in my body while I was doing it, you know? And that was like a life-changing experience for me as an adult. So I wonder if we could move forward to the work that you do with women now and I was just thinking that. Yeah. It was just reminding me what you were saying is what I do with Mama Creative. Yeah, exactly. So I would love to explore that, like how this, because it, it feels like it's got the same energy to me, except that for me, it was like, I was almost like the volcano, you know, like it was building up and up and up and up within me, needing some kind of release. And I, it just felt so such a relief for me. And, you know, the speaking that you've been doing about metaphors, music for me is that metaphor too, you know, like we have these keys and sometimes when we press the keys, they make sounds that don't sound good together, but then we'll go to the next key and it will sound really wonderful, you know? So, so like all, like there's so many different metaphors in music, which is another form of expression too, of course, um, of course. and, and art as adults, it's um, I find that it's that that perhaps as an adult for me, my own experience, I feel like that has been. I, I wish that I had have had an art therapist when I was a child, or even as a teen, or in my twenties, or when I have my diagnosis of depression and anxiety. Um, but I didn't, and I and I felt my way through it. Now I'm in a place where, yeah, you know, sometimes I get a bit nervous if I'm doing something, but the anxiety isn't there because I have all the tools that I can use and I can recognize this, the, the signs and stuff. Having, having that expression as an adult, that freedom to express yourself is uh, truly like liberating. All of the old stories start to disappear and we come back to the truth of who we are. So at least that's my experience of it. It might not be everyone's experience, but I would love to explore, yeah, the work that you do with women these days and, and how you see creativity and expression work for them if there's like 
you know, like a a thread between the two? Well, I think it's I think it's absolutely true. Um, so I, I run a community called Mama Creatives, which I started five years ago. It's basically a, a big community of women who identify with being creative, and I. Um, I guess the product is that I put on these live events where I allow women in the spotlight and I, I, I give them the opportunity or the platform to share their voice and to share their story. It's like a long-form TED Talk and they share their story and their creative process and how they got there and their body of work. And it's very inspiring and there's always some type of adversity that they've overcome because it's, real, it's raw and edgy, there's no one perfect, but they are doing it. And so that's how we started. And now I do other things, masterclasses, and we're having a story slam, which is based on the moth. We have six women sharing a story. Um, I have an online membership. There's all different ways to support creative women. Um, the driver behind it, if I could just tell you a tiny bit about the background, um, why I keep doing it is that I, I've, I mentioned my, my parents got divorced, but my mother is um, a very interesting woman. Um, so she, she became a single mother with four kids. And uh, she had depression and anxiety and all sorts of other things. And um, it was very hard to grow up with that because she didn't have much confidence and she seemed powerless. And I didn't like that as a child. I'm like, I need a mum, I need a parent. Like my father's not here and I need my mother to be present. And it was very hard. And so that's when I got into my own art therapy and doing stuff. And um, she was available at, at various times. So it was very hard growing up. But there were times where she would paint and cook and write poetry and she came alive and she was brilliant and she was an amazing reader and writer and she used to, I used to come home from school and she'd have some books on my, you know, D.H. Lawrence or um, some crazy books. She's like, it's about time you started reading this and she used to present me with amazing books. So I've very well read, um, we had books all over our house. And she just came alive when creativity and crazy bohemian i mean we really were a wes anderson film there's no doubt about it very dysfunctional and very crazy and brilliant and i grew up like this no boundaries and the creativity she was so happy that i was into art she wasn't pressuring me to be a doctor or a lawyer I was like go and be an artist and he's do this and do that and she came alive and so but she she used to talk about wanting to write a cookbook and wanting to do this and wanting to do that but she never did it I'm someone who takes action. I'm like, if I'm going to say something, I'm going to do it. And it used to drive me mad. And I'm like, Ma, you're, you're really intelligent. You've got the time. Um, and But she would always put a guilt trip on us. I'm like, this guilt is not about us. It's about you not taking the action to do what you need. We're not stopping you from doing that. And so I grew up with all this. And so now what I do is um, I don't want that for myself and I don't think women have to live like that. I think we do have a choice. Um, and you can choose to say, I don't have time because I'm a guilty mother, or you say to yourself, and what happens is if you say that to yourself long enough, you won't know how to find your way back in and you lose your identity. So for many years, I saw my mother as a shell of the strong woman who I knew she could be. And it does take effort and it does take work. And I have women in my community who have been through everything and they still manage to get ahead. So there are ways of doing it. Um, and you know, mental illness, domestic violence, being left as a single mother by your partner. I mean, pretty much, you know, having a a, a baby who's died. I mean, we've shared every story. And the women who I present their stories, they've somehow managed to keep their creativity present because it's their therapy. And I'm talking five minutes a week if you have to. Yeah, totally. I'm talking you have a break, but come back to it in six months. But if you leave that for years and years and years and you identify with being a creative and it brings you joy, 
why wouldn't you bring that in? And what happens is instead of saying I've got no time because I'm a mother, what I present is it's not a torn or it's not something to have tension. It's something to have in tandem. And if you're doing something that you love and it brings you joy 10 minutes a week, if that's all you can handle, and I'm talking about sitting down and sewing or writing a little poem at the end of the day or something, you push yourself, you make an effort, you create. Even journaling, right? Like Journaling, journaling, yes. I've got, a, I've got my uke and, I, you know, that's the thing that I pick up when, when my daughter's having a bath. It's like my husband um, does the bath. I pick up my uke and I just look up a song that I want to learn. You and know? how beautiful is that for your daughter to have? So beautiful because she's in there, she's hearing me singing. It's and it doesn't have to be exclusive either, right? Like we can do those things with our children present. If creativity that's- is really important to us, bring the kids in. That's the whole point um, is you don't have to do it on your own. And, and the thing is, um, the beautiful thing is you can do it and be a great role model for your child and they can see you loving it and then they're having these great experiences and they're learning new skills and they're seeing you do something you love and it's a wonderful way to parent. And so when my mother did that, I was like, wow, and we used to write together, we used to paint together, we used to do stuff together. And then she would like, you know, have this perfection perfectionistic procrastination sort of way of going the anxiety would set in and it was very hard to be around that and so what I do with mama creatives is um the number one thing is what is it that you loved as a child what brought you joy not what do you want to be when you grow up and how are you going to make money but what brought you joy can you think back to what brought you joy okay let's find a way just to bring that into your life a little bit a little bit just and if you come and listen to some of the speakers and you hear how they've brought it in, sometimes people say, I wanted to write a book. And now after listening to that writer, I'm going to go home and I'm going to start. Or I had someone who hadn't been in, you know, done art for 15 years. She was really guilty. And she came and listened to this amazing artist and she said, I'm going to go and stand in my studio and open my drawers and look at my art materials. Okay, there's action, there's shift, there's a movement. So what I, what I do with Mama Creatives is I give, them, I give them the hope and belief that they can um, connect with their identity and who they used to be and who they want to be and who they already are. It's just been buried. Mm-hmm. Who not they've everybody. always been. It's not, it's not that they aren't doing it. A lot of people are still creating. Some people feel a bit lost and that's life. You know, all these things happen, especially when you get to midlife. Um, life blows up in your face if you don't deal with it. It just does. If your relationship's not working, if your work's if you're not happy with your work, it will find a way of just telling you this isn't working and it will do it for you. So if you want to be in, in, in control of your life and you want to be happy and you want to find joy, um, you do need to put in the effort. And what happens is a lot of people go back to their creative self and that's the thing that they, they can't put it off any longer. The kids are getting older and they're like, I can't do it, I can't do it, it's not perfect, not perfect, not perfect. This is where we go back to art therapy. So you were talking about how um, you felt freedom playing the singing and it felt liberating and the truth of who you are I mean that's exactly what art therapy is it's about the process and I think what happens is with the anxiety and why you didn't want to do music because it wasn't going to be perfect because you were focusing on totally yeah yeah you wanted you wanted your end all about end result attachment to a certain expectation or result right which is the product now art therapy is not about the product you don't need to draw or be an artist to be able to muck around with art materials and play with clay in your hand like a squishy um, it's about the process and the joy and the journey and that experience and where you and how that makes you feel. And that's what Mama Creatives is. It's about 
finding, reconnecting with who you are and finding your identity and finding the thing you love and collaborating with other amazing creative women um, who are already doing their thing or also on that journey to find what they want to do and giving them permission and not even giving them permission, saying you can do this, acknowledging it and, and saying it's a priority. It should be a life, it should be a priority in your life as a key value. And instead of it being at the bottom of the list or not even making the list, put it up the top. Put it up the top. Me, my art, mm. partner, kids, whatever. Find a way to, to put it up there without being guilty and without apologising for it. Because I think a lot of the time a women put what they want to do last or they're too tired and you have to make money, you have to work, all those things. But that's all over time. You become 82 like my mother and you still haven't written that cookbook. And she was a bre- an amazing cook. And when, and when she dies, those recipes will be gone. So write the bloody cookbook. Tomorrow never comes. And, and so what I do with Mama Creative is that I, I present these stories of these amazing women who are doing stuff and they've been through really hard stuff. Not, it's, not, it's not a walk in the park. But you have to put in the effort. But then, the, but then there's this fulfilling you feel fulfilled and it's a wonderful way to parent and and you yes. feel in your power and it makes it more fun you know i bringing creativity into my parenting is like a game changer because then i'm actually enjoying you know my daughter and i have thursdays and on thursdays we have science experiment day because she that. really loves science so we just do things like make a volcano out of bicarbon vinegar or you know make slime or whatever and we video it because that's that's another creative expression. I, I studied film and TV at university and she loves being in front of the camera. So we create something like that and it's so fun and we have, we're both lost in our own creativity. It's such a good and, – and it makes me and feel funny. like a really fantastic mum. And you're enjoying yourself because you're just having joy. Yeah. You're just doing something fun. And, and I'm present with her. It's like present. the best. And so this is all about disrupting mother guilt because I think I think that's a patriarchal thing. If yeah. you think back to it, you know, my mother was born in 1936, so, you know, she came from a different generation. You know, she's got a scholarship to university. She wasn't allowed to go, um, blah, blah, blah. She ended up going back to uni in her 60s and she did find a career that she enjoyed as, a, as an English teacher. Brilliant. But I don't think you need to wait that long. Mm-hmm. I think we need to learn from the, 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 the lessons of our parents and grandmothers. And, you know, I think um, – Mother guilt is a patriarchal construct. I don't see why it has to be. I don't know why mother guilt has to be two things that go together. You don't hear men feeling guilty, or if they do, they don't talk about it. It's, it's it should not be something that's just accepted. Mm. It, 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 it already puts us in this social situation where we're not allowed to do the thing that makes us, that makes us feel a bit more free. They want us to stay in the kitchen and the home and be perfect at everything and, you know, God forbid we, we do something that empowers us. And, I, and is I ugly. Up- you know, we're raised to be pretty, pretty little things, you know, and, <laughs> and even, the, the, even the voice, even the voice that I, you know, love to sing has to be pretty. It has to be, you know, pleasant for everyone to listen to. When, when the most powerful part of that exercise is I actually did a podcast episode where I had recorded me singing it pretty at the beginning of the lesson and then me singing it ugly. And and everyone who's listened to that episode of Philosophy says, I can feel the difference, you know, like it moves it's people. Maybe it's a small raw. Maybe it's, it's raw. It was real. Yeah, it wasn't necessarily. It wasn't. Uh, yeah, but it wasn't as pretty. Like the first one was pretty and hit the notes, but there was no feeling to it. You know, it was just like 
singing as I thought I should sing. And the next one was me and my truth, expressing my truth through the voice. There's feelings attached to that that come through, the energy comes through almost to impact the person who is listening at the end. Which is where you create an emotion or a reaction in someone and that's and that's really what art, good art can be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, I hear um, singers and they don't necessarily have good voices but there's something about mm. the experience of watching them or listening to them. It just makes me feel emotional. And I think... Isn't that what life is? Don't we mm. want to feel? I think we've spent so long educating ourselves or numbing ourselves to things that are too hard in a bad relationship or um, being a responsible parent. I mean, my I went on a road trip with my daughter in the recent holidays and um, we had the windows down. We were riding, driving along. I had I was listening to some old, golden oldie radio station with some um, some music from my teens. I was, had it up really loud and my daughter said it was a little bit, wild stormy weather and my daughter said looked at the ocean and she said you are wild like that ocean she's nine and a half oh my god and I said great I said I love that that's me and I'm really glad that you can see me like this and she loved it she said this is really fun she said I love going away with you when you're like this because I was just so free and open and fun and doing stuff and it's just so great for kids to, to see that we don't need to be these perfect parents we have to be ourselves and they will find a way to fit in. I mean, um, so with the nicest thing that someone said to me about Mama Creatives is that, you know, we elevate the conversation. I mean, everybody's bloody, you know, busy and time poor. I mean, we don't, I don't do anything, I don't do five listables on how to be an um, <laughs> efficient parent. We're the opposite of that. It's about, yeah, so, so the, it's, it, it's sort of a cost of entry that we're all busy. Okay, so we don't talk about time. We don't talk about how we babysit. We, we come up a few notches up. And we show you women who are doing it and how they're doing it and why they're doing it and what they've been through to do it. And that's where we're at. We show you women who are being creative and their mothers and sometimes they, they do it okay and sometimes they don't, but they don't stop. They've continued. And if they've stopped, um, that downtime, which is fine, um, that's also contributed to where they're at. And so we have these great conversations and everyone who turns up comes from all walks of life they're all disarmed and everyone is even. Everyone comes in. There's no – everyone's supportive. No one has an ego or, a, you know, um, they're all who they are. Everyone turns up and says, I'm me, and they just go straight into these wonderful, amazing conversations. It's, it's very nurturing. It's it's very invigorating. And everyone, even if they're tired, I'm like, come along, this person's amazing. They come along and they're awake, they're alive, they're buzz, buzzing with possibilities. And I think that's – I think that's wonderful. Curiosity, engagement, inspiration, a little bit thought-provoking. I think you do need to challenge people. If you're having a hard time, the best way to, is to just go head on, deal with it. You know, these children come to me, they're, they're really struggling, and I help them deal with it. And you unlock it, and you do need to take a bit of action. Then you have some downtime. But, you you know, life takes effort, and, and sometimes you, you have to be challenged to get to a better place. And so that's not a bad thing. But if you're supported and there's a lot of love in the room, um, it's all online too. You don't have to be in Sydney if you can't make it. It's all there if you want to watch all the videos. Um, so so it's, it's sort of multi-layered. But I think the, the, the first question you asked me a little while ago, what's the connection? I think the connection is joy. Mm-hmm. Do the thing you love. Reconnect with your identity. Don't be afraid to be who you are. I will accept you in the in the art therapy room. I'm here. I'm sitting with you. You have an hour with me, and I 
I accept who you are. I will sit with you and I will hold you the space and I will help you find a way and then I will talk to your parents and we'll find a way to create a shift. With Mama Creatives, it's the same thing. I create a wonderful space. I um, accept and honour and recognise everyone's story and I give them opportunities for sharing their stories, which is a little bit different. I let the community share stories. I don't need to wheel in some famous person from America to um, – to go on about their life. I think the people in the Mama Creators community have amazing lives, so I give them a transformational experience. If they're very anxious, they're my best presenters because they have um, a wonderful um, experience and so they feel very worried that they can't do it and then by the end when they've done it, they're like, oh, my God, I did it. It's so the I give them sweet the relief. <laughs> courage, confidence. I'm all about that. I'm all about if things are hard, then do it because, because the reward will be higher. Totally. And, you know, the world, I, I feel like the world is the way it is at the moment and that mental health is such a big issue right now because we have, we have suppressed who we are. You know, we have suppressed our creativity. We have suppressed our emotions. We have tried to be what the world wants us to be and eventually we have a day of reckoning, you know. Um, it's coming. I can feel it. Yeah. And... I feel like I've had my own personal reckoning more than once <laughs> just to make sure I was getting it right. Uh, but in that is that relief that I felt the first time I sang after 20 years off, you know, that relief of, oh, there I am, there I am, wild woman of the ocean, you know? Never too late. Never, Never too, too late. late. And if you don't do it, you're just going to wither away and if you do do it, you will come alive and you won't know yourself. And so it does take courage. Yeah. And um, you, you know, congratulations that you that you had that you took that bold step, and now you're in it. Now you're in your power, which is what I, I'm in my power now. I feel it. It's when you um, face face your fears and you do it anyway. Um, that cliche. It's not that bad. In fact, it's mm. bloody brilliant. Once it is you, bloody brilliant. Once you embrace it. Yeah. And and when you're around people who are doing it or trying to do it, it's just a wonderful, what, what is, what's the choice? I mean, you're going to die how yeah. you cover it whenever. You might as so well why, have some fun we, while you're here. <laughs> what are we afraid of? Have some fun, you know, pick up on those child, on that childhood joy. Pick up on not caring what people think. I mean, you know, when you see people just get up and dance, aren't you a little bit envious that they have oh that God. courage? Yeah, yeah, totally. So, so that's Mama Creatives. Everyone can just um, do their thing. We accept everyone. Um, there's there's none of that. Um so it's it's just a very wonderful community of amazing women doing amazing things, and I just give them a platform to do that, and I encourage them. And the the rawer, the edgier, and the more out there is is sort of what I prefer. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of mainstream stuff and perfect Instagram. Um, we don't need any more of that. No, we definitely don't. We definitely need more wild women of the ocean. That's for sure. <laughs> So thanks so much for coming on, Anna. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. In the show notes, there will be all links to your Mama Creative group, where to where to connect with you. And is there any parting thoughts? Well, um, my parting thoughts are if you're feeling a little bit stuck, um, just look out. Just look into yourself or look out into the world and think, what was the thing I loved to do as a kid? Because we don't change as people. The thing you loved as a kid, you're still going to love. You're still the same personality. 
Just and and it doesn't have to be the right thing, right? Like I remember when think. when I was first diagnosed, I was like, I want to go back into my childhood. I want to find out what made me happy back then because I didn't know what made me happy anymore. I had no idea. I was just living in this void and I was like, what is joy? I don't know. I, d- I don't know when I'm happy. I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know what my passion is. And I literally went into old containers in the garage and looked at the things that I used to like when I when I was a kid. And then I just started, it was like pulling a, a string on a sweater. I just started pulling the thread and following where it went. And it was like, yeah, now it's like clear as a bell. I always I brought that. people together. I was always singing. I was always, you know, sitting in a songwriting circle. I was always putting on a performance. Like it wasn't just one thing. It was so many things. There were so many different creative expressions, but it took just starting with one, you know, oh, I used to write books. Right. And now look at you, podcast extraordinaire. Yeah, and I've written a book and, sh- and you know, and like the, and and I sing and I play the ukulele and I do experiments with my kid on a Thursday. You know, yeah. like it's just been this like gradual yeah. pulling of the thread, That's but it, it starts it. somewhere, right? Like just That's pick something. It. Yep, five minutes, find something and see where it takes you and and be okay with the uncertainty i mean that is the that is part of the magic mm. and it's about being curious and don't be too afraid to engage in life in some way i mean i know it's easy to escape and and hide but it will find you and then it will be even harder so take just take that first step it doesn't have to be hard it could be just even contacting someone you haven't contacted for a while who you think is going to you know bring something to your life. It could be going into the garage. I love that, pulling the jumper. That's a great analogy. Yeah, yeah. Because it has been like it's been 10 years since I first did that until I discovered, oh, yeah, my voice. Oh, my God, it was always my voice, you know. And you've got a beautiful voice and you're a podcaster. So, you know, your your voice is your livelihood, which is, I mean, that's just a wonderful example, isn't it, that you lost your voice and now you use your voice to bring joy to many people. So it's wonderful. And I think – I mean, it's the same with me. You know, I was a very shy child and art was my thing, but I used to bring people together and I do that now. I mean, everything I'm doing is exactly what I loved as a kid or a teenager. Yes. And I don't think it's that hard. You just got to think a little bit. It may not be obvious if you don't have a specific um, creative profession. It doesn't matter. It's something that you enjoyed and see where you go. It could be roller skating. I don't know. It could be Um, gardening, you know. Yeah. I had someone who I was working with who said, oh, you know, oh, yeah, so – because sometimes it's like, for me, it's always been more outwardly creative things. But for some people, it's like, you know, when they were a kid, they used to pick flowers and mash them up together, make little potions or whatever, like any of those little random things, or they they might have liked cooking, you know, any form of kind of expression is good expression. <laughs> and then the other thing is, even if you're an introvert or a bit of a loner, is to somehow find a way to connect with others. I think um, that's really good for mental health. It's good for just life engagement. I mean, I the thing you know, I love that expression, life engager. That's how I describe myself on some things. I watched the in the I don't know if you know the um, actor's studio with that guy with the beard. Yeah, 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 freak, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's such a freak. But he had um, <laughs> he had um, Al Pacino on once. I was addicted watching them all and I watched Al Pacino and I absolutely loved loved him. Uh, and he said to Al Pacino, what's, how do you, um, you know, how, how do you become a good actor or what is it that's kept you in, in, the, in the profession for so long, your craft, you know how they use that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, I'm a life engager. I am engaging in the world and that's how I keep 
current. And I love that. And I think um, that's really important. Remain curious and stay involved in, in the world, in life. You, hiding, hiding is a choice and hiding will make you feel numb and hiding will make you feel like shit and hiding will take away your confidence. And hiding if you're working or if you're creating, but hiding because you're scared isn't going to get you anywhere. And the longer you do it, the harder it will be to get back. So find a way to connect with a community or a network or, or something that um, makes you feel alive in your way. It doesn't you know, have to be an extrovert. And do something that brings you joy. And these things don't need to be um, very hard, maybe once a month. And if you're doing this already, then maybe find um, – maybe create a way to impact others who – Yeah, maybe it's time to book that studio and, you know, do a show or whatever. It's Yeah, it's about like taking the next step from where you are. And I love that forward, you talked about yeah. hiding – you know, one of the one of the strategies that I use personally is when I find myself feeling like I want to retreat, I engage. Like it's a conscious choice because I know that when I retreat, there are times for retreating for sure. I, th- I think it's important to recharge, of course. Yeah, um, but when I'm retreating out of the fear, then that's when I move forward and engage because um, retreating due to fear has led to no good places, but engaging no. instead always leads somewhere amazing. It does. You can help, you can manage that. And I think um, I think humans need to be a part of a community or we need to be social and it's very easy to hide, especially with um, everything online these days. But I think it's important to go back to old school ways and do things that um, that are just really deeply human and nourishing. And I, I would also practice self-compassion, radical self-compassion yes. if life, life's hard. Um, and, and also just focus on the process, not the product. So take away that perfection and that pressure. And, and and it's a really good thing to teach your children too. I mean, we're growing such anxious children and, and they need to just enjoy being and being idle and just doing things because it's, um, it's imagination. So there's, there's, there's a lot we can learn from our children. I, I, sometimes when I'm feeling a bit, uh, I just stop and I look at kids and I'm like, okay, what would a kid do? <laughs> you know, they can teach us a lot. 100%. <laughs> Love it. Well, thank you again so much. Um, yeah, people check the show notes for details with how to connect with Anna and her Mama Creatives group. And, yeah, that's a wrap. Thank you, <laughs> thank you so much for having me. Love what you do. Pleasure. And that's a wrap. Go to carlynimmo.com to find ways to connect to your creativity and live life on your frequency. Until next week, make some 